professional audio slate in three, two, one. Damn. The Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly presents That Was Close. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh boy, is this Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Trigger warning. Uh, this another one of my all-time favorite tales of survival, Bryce Kelly. Uh, it involves about a dozen of the things that I'm most afraid of in my life, things like uh, plane crashes, loneliness, snakes, falling, maggots, the dark. It's got it all. Okay. Uh, maggots really caught my attention. Maggots and snakes. Everything seemed like, okay, this is standard everyday stuff. Maggots, though, that's when you know it's serious. This is the amazing survival story of Julianne Kopke. This one begins Christmas Eve, 1971. You know what, though, I like to do is I like to start these talking about, like, these would be... These would have been the big songs on the radio back in 1971 when uh, this story takes place. And had she not been traipsing around lost in the Amazon, these are the songs that Julianne would have been listening to on AM radio while she was at sleepovers with her friends. Do you know a little song called Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven? Uh, yeah, I think I've heard of that one. Yeah, this one right here. And what about... Wake up, Maggie. I think I got something to say to you. Okay. Rod Stewart, Maggie May. Uh, a couple of the CSI theme songs. Uh, the Who, Bob O'Reilly. And this, the greatest scream in rock and roll history. This right here. The Who won't get fooled again. CSI Miami. Uh-huh. In the house. Canadian guy, Gordon Lightfoot, if you could read my mind. Oh, nice. R.I.P. If you could read my mind, love. And Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of mine. I never liked that song. Three Jeez. Dog Night, Joy to the World. 1971, good year for music. Some absolute bangers. I have a feeling it's not a great year for, what's her name again? Julianne Kopke. Julianne Kopke. So this is Christmas Eve, 1971. Christmas Eve, 1971. Um, she's belted into her airplane seat, falling 10,000 feet from the sky, high above the Amazon rainforest. And I don't mean- what? I don't mean that she was inside the plane and the plane was plummeting to earth. No, oh. her row of three seats with her still in it was ripped from the plane what? after it was struck by lightning. What? She, she was in the window seat. But, you know, really, when you're plummeting to earth in your seat, they're all window seats, aren't they? <laughs> you, you would think that this story is all over at this point. But I kind of spoiled it right off the top when I said this is the amazing survival story of Julianne Kopke. Hold on. I, okay, I was not ready for... Because you said something about her being stuck in the Amazon. Yeah. I was not anticipating... Falling her, from the sky. Falling. So her airplane was hit by lightning. Uh-huh. It ripped a hole in the plane and her row of seats were sucked out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, I didn't think that was a thing that could happen. I thought airplanes were built for that kind of thing. No, not always. Wow. Let me go back a bit, though. So she lived with her mom and dad in Peru when she was a kid. Her parents were German scientists and researchers who relocated from Germany to Peru so they to set up a remote research facility in the rainforest in Ooh. order to study plants and wildlife. My God. 
Her parents were homeschooling her in their tree house or wherever they lived in Panguana. I think that's how you say it. I don't know if it's fair to judge someone on the fact that they're homeschooled. Yeah. But it's hard not to. Her homeschooling, though, came in real handy for what happened to her. Okay. So this Panguana, again, I hope I'm saying that right. It's a village way outside of the nearest big city, which happens to be Lima, Peru. For a kid that loved animals and nature, Julianne was living the dream. Her whole life was outdoors. Uh, she kept up with her schoolwork, and at the same time, she learned crazy valuable survival skills when it comes to not dying in the jungle, skills that would come in very, very handy one day. Anyway, once the school system found out that she was living in a remote jungle research station and was doing her schooling from there, they were like, no, no way. You want to graduate from grade 12? You need to get your ass to the classroom in the big city, Lima. So Julianne's mom, Maria, and Julianne, they decided to move back to Lima temporarily so that she could make her high school career official by going to a real school. Meanwhile, her dad, Hans Wilhelm, he stayed behind in Panguana, the, you know, the remote research station, to uh, keep doing his thing while his wife and daughter hit the big city for a few semesters. Wow, this is kind of like a almost like a Tarzan type thing, like she's being removed from the jungle and placed in everyday society. There are cars whizzing by, she's never seen cars before. It's like Crocodile Dundee. That's what it sounds like. So what we're going to do here is we're going to fast forward now to December 1971. Julianne and her mom, they're still in Lima. Her dad's holding it down back at the research center. And he's like, please come see me for Christmas, please. Uh, Mom and Julianne, they both wanted to go home for Christmas, but Julianne wanted to attend her graduation ceremony on December 23rd. What? Who's Would, graduating in December? I know. It seems like an incredibly selfish and an inconvenient time for a school to hold a graduation. Also, don't people graduate in June? I don't know. God. Maybe they do it differently. It's, it's too close to Christmas. I agree. Uh, the school doesn't even stop and think, you know, people have other stuff going on at this time of year, so they proceed anyway with the horribly scheduled graduation. Meanwhile, Dad's back in the jungle going, when are you coming home? Can you get a flight on, say, December 19th or 20th? But no, Julianne wanted to throw her cap in the air and walk across the stage to Sarah McLaughlin, I Will Remember You. Mm-hmm, Big song in 1971. Yep. So the decision was made that they'd fly back to their jungle home on Christmas Eve, but the only flight available was with this airline called Lanza, which, by the way, had a terrible reputation. Okay, that's absolutely a bad start. terrible. And not just for rude flight attendants and bad food, no, for having a terrible safety record. Okay, not a good sign in an airline. No, and I also, when I was putting this together, I also read a couple of stories that the pilots weren't even licensed and the airplane mechanics were motorcycle mechanics. <laughs> if you've worked on one engine, you've worked on them all. That's They're what all I always the say. same. They all have spinny, roundy bits. All I can think of at this point is, so dad has been living on his own in the jungle while the two ladies are in yeah. the city. What if they flew back early and he had like mashed potato versions of them that he'd been talking to this whole time? <laughs> Oh, yeah, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> I think he'd made a wife and daughter to find out, like, how remote was it? Was it mashed potato family <laughs> remote, or was it just sort of on the outskirts of another village? Yeah, because in my head, he's completely alone. Yeah. 
So they're flying back Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. So they, she really wanted to go to her graduation, and they wanted to also spend Christmas with Daddy. So they were going to have to take that Christmas Eve flight on Lanza. And even Dad, who wanted them home desperately, was like, don't do it. But they did it anyway. God, this can't be good. So the airport in Lima, it's chaotic on Christmas Eve. Everyone's scrambling to get home for Christmas. Julianne and her mother, they take their seats aboard Lanza Flight 508. Julianne at the window, her mom in the middle, and a portly gentleman in the aisle seat. Which is the money seat, by the way. I like the attention to detail, knowing that he's portly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't understand why everyone takes the window seat, though. I'm a window seat man. Well... I don't know. You're going to look out that window for exactly two minutes the entire trip. And then when you have to pee or make a boom boom, you have to wake the people up in the middle in the aisle and it becomes a whole thing and they end up resenting you for it. So why put yourself through that? The boom boom situation is something to be aware of. If it's a long flight, I don't know what the flight is from Lima to uh, the wherever they are. Yeah. As an aside, have you ever had to make the boom boom on a flight? I never have. I try to... Uh, I try I to time things out in a way that you don't, because that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a home field advantage guy. I live in fear of swinging open that door and everyone on the plane being like, "Woo! Do and, not go in there!" And turning back to see who just stunk up the plane, and it's and me. Also, everybody watches you walk to the bathroom, and then when you come back 19 minutes later, <laughs> everybody knows exactly what you were doing. You want to get in, you want to get out. Oh man. Okay, so anyway, the the flight takes off. The portly aisle seat guy falls asleep almost immediately. The weather's starting to get a little sketchy. A little bit into the flight, they're just cruising along and making good time. Good. At about 10,000 feet. When Julianne, she's staring out the window and sees a huge flash of light. It's lightning, and it struck the plane. Ooh, that's bad luck. The plane is shaking violently and suddenly just breaks into pieces, which takes us back to the start of our story where Julianne is falling from the sky in her seat. Does that mean uh, mom and portly gentlemen are also? We'll talk more about that in a second. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, And sidebar here, I did a quick Google and asked, how long would it take to fall 10,000 feet? Ooh, that's a good question. Do you want to take a guess? 10,000 feet free fall, I will get, it's probably longer than you think. I'll guess it's like two solid minutes. No, 30 seconds. That's it? Yeah. Ooh, so you're falling fast. It's about the same length of time as one of those um, injury lawyer commercials you see in the middle of the afternoon when you're watching Judge Judy. And, And 30 seconds, like 30 seconds is probably a long time when you're falling, probably an excruciating amount of time. And this is at nighttime too? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it might be. So here you are, knowing that death is imminent, but you have time to, you know, 30 seconds. You could check your watch, adjust your tie, put your headphones in your iPad back in the seat pocket. Make a sick TikTok video. Mm-hmm. So she falls and she falls and she falls and she comes crashing back to earth through the treetops and eventually hits the jungle floor. Julianne survived the fall somehow. How on earth do you survive a 10,000-foot fall? Well, there are several theories. Some say that it was, you know, the thick Amazon jungle canopy that broke her fall. Uh, Or the thick jungle floor acted like a giant pillow you might see in a cartoon. 
And other people say that the row of seats that she was belted into somehow caught an updraft and acted as a parachute and slowed her descent. No matter how you look at it, though, she was lucky. I refuse to believe that a row of seats from a plane would act as a parachute. I would think that would make you fall faster. You would think? It's like having an anchor tied to you. Okay, so that's insane that she survived that fall. And so now she's in the middle of the jungle? Yeah, so 17-year-old Julianne Kopke comes too. She's a mess. She told a reporter after her rescue, quote, I couldn't really feel anything. It was like being wrapped in cotton balls. With a lot of effort, I could really only get up on my knees, and then everything turned black again. It turns out that she'd been in and out of consciousness for 20 hours <laughs> before she kind of pulled herself together enough to realize what was going on. Okay, so by this time, it's Christmas Day. Oh, yeah, yeah, I never even thought about that. Ooh, Merry Christmas to her. Uh, so when she did finally come around, she realized that her shoulder blade was popped out at a crazy angle. Oof. And she's got some pretty gnarly cuts. She lost her glasses, and to top it all off, one eye was swollen shut, and she only had one shoe. So I don't know if I could walk from here to my car in one shoe and then try and drive a standard with one shoe. So How incredible it would be if she found her glasses? <laughs> <laughs> They're still intact. Can you imagine? <laughs> there they are. She'd get an endorsement deal with Pearl Vision for sure. So anyway, she comes to and she realizes that she's all alone and there's no wreckage around her. Nothing. No survivors, not even bodies. She's all alone under a thick canopy of trees somewhere in the belly of the Amazon rainforest. It'd be hard to believe that what's happened is real. Oh, you're, yeah. You're, you're with your chair from your plane in the jungle. No one else is around. You have yeah. one shoe on. And also, her row of seats. She fell in her row of seats. Wouldn't her mom and the portly guy be right beside her? That's what I was She thinking. must have come out of her seat. Ooh. Hmm. Ooh. So, alone in the Amazon with no signs of survivors, Julianne has to make a choice. Stay with what little wreckage there was nearby and hope for rescue or attempt to walk out of the jungle. And you have to remember that she's completely hidden by the dense, the canopy of the trees above, uh, a canopy that shuts out almost all of the light. She knew it would be nearly impossible for searchers, if there were any, to spot her from above. But like I said earlier, she was experienced in the jungle. She lived in it for years, learned how to survive. So she made the decision, if there was going to be any hope of surviving, she was going to have to hoof it out. She was going to have to take the Shoelace Express. Yikes. She walked for days on end, gingerly poking at the ground in front of her and carefully avoiding snakes and spiders hidden on the jungle floor. Four days into her trek, she started to hear the sounds of vultures circling. Oh, God. And from her jungle experience, she knew that meant one thing. There were dead bodies or rotting flesh nearby, and that's what was attracting the vultures. Uh, so do you follow the vultures? Uh, sure enough, for the first time since the crash four days earlier, she stumbled upon some wreckage. It was a row of seats with three passengers still strapped in. But Ooh. they had hit the jungle floor with so much force that they were buried head first into the ground with only their feet sticking up from the earth. Oh my God. And, and she noticed that one of the sets of feet was a woman's feet. And at first she feared, oh my God, that's my mom. But the toenails were painted with nail polish and that was something her mom didn't do. 
Can you imagine? That'd be horrific. You're trudging around for days, looking like hell. You're all alone, and you eventually find some signs of life, but everyone's dead. And to top it all off, she could hear the search plane. I think that'd be the worst part of waiting for rescue is you can hear the planes or helicopters searching, but there's no way in the world they can spot you because there's too many trees above you. Wow. The jungle giveth and the jungle taketh away. That's what I always say. You do say that a lot. The jungle also taketh away the aircraft because soon, it wasn't too long after, the airplane sounds disappeared. They weren't looking for her anymore. She was on her own. I'm having a hard time getting past the fact that they hit the ground so hard they were buried head first up to their feet. Yeah. Man, just stumbling across that without knowing a plane had crashed in the area. And you're just like, you oh. just think, is this some sort of weird art installation in the middle of the Amazon? These are weird Christmas decorations. So it's a good thing that 17-year-old Julianne Kopke didn't grow up hanging out at the mall. No, she grew up the child of the rainforest. Uh, so she knew her way around the jungle. She knew that she could collect droplets of water from the leaves and drink it, but food was going to be another thing altogether. She actually found a bag of candy near where she first landed, and that was what she was surviving on. Candy. <laughs> she rationed wow. it, though, only allowed herself one or two pieces every day. That was it. Ooh, self-control. Yeah. But the candy eventually ran out, and she had nothing. No food, no other survivors. She was hungry, she was hurt, and she was alone. And listen up. This is the most important part of this entire story. This is a valuable, teachable moment. Uh, What's coming up is information that can one day save your life should you fall from the sky and land in the Amazon. Okay, let me get a pen and paper. Julianne heard the faint sound of running water, and she remembered something that her dad had told her. If you hear running water, follow it. It will lead you to other people because people tend to live or gather near water. Water is life, so that's where people tend to live. So that's exactly what she did. She followed the stream. That makes good sense. Yeah. Uh, The stream eventually turned into a creek. The creek became a river. Eventually, the water got deep enough for her to walk in it. And this is creepy. She says she could see crocodiles in the water and on the riverbank, but she wasn't too afraid of them because she knew that they weren't likely to attack humans, something I did not know. I thought they all just wanted to eat us. I would have assumed the same thing. That would be... You fall out of a plane, somehow survive, and now you have to contend with alligators or crocodiles? Forget it. But she decided it was probably safer to travel in the water because walking through the forest, you know, just one shoe, you run the risk of stepping on a poisonous snake hidden in the leaves or in the brush of the jungle floor. Oh, yeah. Remember, she just had the one shoe? Right. I forgot about that. So, Julianne has now been on her own trying to find her way out of the jungle for 10 days. She's weak. She's delirious. She's still trekking through the water. When she sees what she thinks is a small boat, but, you know, she's kind of bonkers like we'd all be in that situation. So she thinks, ah, it's probably just a hallucination. But all that changes when she gets close enough to go touch it. She does. The boat is real. 
Julianne sees a path from the river that leads up the riverbank and into the forest. If there are people nearby, she figures that that's where they must be, somewhere up on the riverbank, somewhere in the forest. But remember, she's got nothing left in the tank. And just climbing out of the river and up the bank is next to impossible. And to top it all off, remember how I told you at the top she had, you know, not only had a broken collarbone, but she had several deep cuts as well. Right. And this is where I say trigger warning. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh boy, is this Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Trigger warning. One of those cuts on her arm, it's causing like just intense agony because now it's full of maggots. Oh. Yep. So and, she's alive walking through the jungle looking at her arm with bugs in it. Mhm. And they're trying to like bury themselves oh. deeper and deeper into our arm. Oh, that's upsetting. I, maybe we should just give people a moment here to retch uncontrollably. <laughs> oh my God. And it's like, now I'm just like, can you just pick those out? But well, I'm sure you don't want to dig too deep in there. Hang on. There's more. So if you fall out of the sky, lose one shoe and your glasses and you get some cuts and you're trekking through the Amazon, we're going to tell you how to deal with the, the maggots. Okay, in, in your arm. Maggots so, in my open wounds. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, she's might only be 17 years old, but she's got some serious jungle smarts. She continues to drag herself on her hands and knees up this path and into the forest to try and find help. Eventually, she comes to a small hut, and inside that hut, she finds a can of gasoline, which she then pours into oh. the cut on her arm, which in turn causes the maggots to scramble to the surface. Oh. Good where Lord. she's able to pick them out <laughs> of her wound. <laughs> okay, so the key is to pour gasoline. Yeah, in your... so follow the water and <laughs> pour gasoline into your maggot cut. I can't imagine that feels good. Oh my God, it'd be <laughs> terrible. And apparently she got most of them, but, you know, eventually when she gets to the hospital, the doctors remove like dozens more. Oh, grim. Mm. Oh, Jesus. So there's is there's no one in the hut, I assume. No, no. So she she hangs around in the hut and she's just waiting for human contact, but there's nobody there. Exhausted and feeling defeated, she falls into a deep, deep sleep. And I don't know how long she slept for, but she wakes up to the sound of men's voices speaking Spanish. So she moves as quickly as possible toward the voices and she scares the crap out of these guys because they honestly thought she was a ghost. She had blonde hair. She was all banged up and bloody. But because she spoke fluent Spanish, she was able to tell them her story. They loaded her in a boat and took her down the river to get medical attention. Oh, boy. Well, I'm glad they were good guys in that jungle hut and not some... <laughs> My God, just compounding... <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my God. So Julianne was the only survivor of Lanza Flight 508. In the end, she had survived alone and injured in the rainforest for 11 days. And in a sad and weird twist, there's speculation that her mother, who was sitting right next to her, probably survived the initial crash, too. Because when they found her body, it wasn't nearly as decomposed as the other bodies, meaning that she likely lived out there in the jungle right up until like just a few days before Julianne walked out and back into civilization. And that right there is the crazy survival story of 17-year-old Julianne Kopke and Lanza Flight 
508. That was horrifying. Kind of was. I don't know which is the worst part of that story. Falling? The gasoline to get the maggots out. Yeah. Is right near the top. That was upsetting. The part that bothered me was like walking along and having to poke the ground in front of you to make sure there were no snakes or anything high. Ugh. I don't know how I deal with that. 11 days is a long time to be stuck in a jungle. Way too long. Hoping that you run into someone. Yeah. The how... fact that she survived a fall like that, that's just cr- insane. Yeah. I can't wrap my brain around how that happens. How did she charge her phone? <laughs> So my sources for this one, uh, Weird History on YouTube. I read a lot of Wikipedia, several different documentaries that I've watched on TV over the decades. There's even a made-for-TV movie from the late 90s called Wings of Hope. Ooh, that's a bad name. It kind of is. I'm, I kind of want to watch it, but I never have. That sounds like a, it'd be a terrible song. One of those songs where a bunch of music artists get together and sing the song together in the studio. We're on the wings of hope. Where they have the one hand on their headphones. Yeah, Bob Dylan's there looking real mad for some reason. I've fallen into the jungle. Nope, nope, nope. Ooh, this is a pretty good song. 